0: with Ali Rizvi and Armin Navabi.
1: Welcome everybody to another episode of Secular Jihadist for a Muslim Enlightenment. My name is Ali Rizvi and this is Armin Navabi. Armin, how are you? Good. Very we are good. We're co-hosts of this podcast and, uh, you know, for those of you who are patrons, you're watching us live, you can see Armin's like, amazing, like muscles and everything like that. And you can't obviously get it. But those of you who are listening to this, you can't see anything. So please become a patron Uh, so you can yeah, be witness this eye candy. Anyway, so (laughs) on to less serious things. Hmm. According to the World Bank, Lebanon's current economic crisis is one of the world's worst in over 150 years. So the currency in Lebanon, that's the Lebanese pound, has lost over 95% of its value in the last two years since 2019. Food costs are up by 700% during the same time. Around a third of um, kids in Lebanon are going to bed hungry. Uh, Citizens are being forced into refugee camps, Lebanese citizens. And in fact, like the Syrian refugees who came to Lebanon are now in those refugee camps are now going back to Syria. That's how bad it is. Uh, and and right now, there, there's, you know, it's been a year, August 4th was a year since that huge explosion that you all saw um, that killed around 200 people, injured thousands of people. And there's been no investigation, no answers, no accountability because, you know, the politicians can't even decide to uh, form a government as of recently. Um, so there's a, just a lot of corruption, a lot of issues like Lebanon is going the way of Libya and Yemen at this point. It's you know, about to become the verge of becoming a failed state. Uh, there's an international effort, that not enough of an international effort, but uh, still there is one to try and rescue it and bring it back from the brink of this abyss. But um, it's becoming very, very difficult and every day it's becoming a challenge. And this is going to have repercussions for its neighbors. It's gonna have repercussions in Syria. You know, It's gonna have repercussions for Iran, for Israel, um, and also for uh, Turkey and Europe. Before. So anyway, um, Armin is going to just hand it over to you. Like, what are you most concerned about? I j- Okay. So first of all, it's,
2: if the analysis is correct right now, okay. I have to say this because I have to always be skeptical, but if it seems like it's really hard to overstate right now, how bad situation the situation is in Lebanon, right? And it's also, it's so bad that it doesn't seem like, people are like, oh, how do we fix this? Um, the, and it seems like the answer is, like, we don't, because there is, like, it's so hopelessly devastating right now. I, and I'm not saying, like, this, this is it, this is how it's going to be. But right now, it looks like that, okay? Unless, like, there's no economic aid or any thing that could come in like oh here we will figure out the solution because like the it's so fundamentally broken to the core um that the fix for it doesn't seem to even be there like and and there's multiple things that have contributed to this right there's economical there's political and also, also there's sectarian issues and we could get to all of that at the same time, yeah. I'm uh, um, you know, stride the show. One thing but, I just
1: wanted to say really quickly, just to interrupt you for a second, is that the sectarian issues, I mean, Lebanon at one point was the place where the Shia, the Sunni, the Christians, like everybody got along and everybody was able to work together. Yeah. And that hasn't been the case in the last few years. That, that whole system's kind of
2: crumbling. Well, out. no, The problem, the problem is that the thing that the fix for that on how to get people along was actually the problem, mm-hmm. right? We'll, we'll get to that because, you know, you know the, the, the sectarian nature of the politics was an attempt to fix for the solution to the civil war and, and yeah. for making people get a power sharing scheme in, in politics, right? But while might, that might have worked in the short term for people to get people not killing each other, right, it was the worst model for getting things done. Are getting good solutions for a country right and we'll get to that right but the one you know one reason why it's so hopeless is because you know the entire country seems like it was a ponzi scheme right like lebanon doesn't produce a lot of it a lot of its own things most of it comes from outside there's like there's not enough production there's not enough economic production within its country to To feed the country, right? And by feed, I don't just mean food, I mean everything that people consume. Um, so a lot of it was dependent on financial, like th- there was a financial system, there was these all these bankers, there was loans, like there, there were, Lebanon was heavily reliant on financial services, and that was what it was offering. And it seemed like for a short time, not only things was, were good, things were really good. Like people were well off. There were a lot of rich people. There were a lot of like people living in not just just a life, like a comfortable life, but a lot of people were living luxurious lives, right? With parties, high brand stuff. This was like a banking center. This was like a, you know, kind of like a Wall Street (laughs) of the uh, Middle East, right? But it seems like this is what happens when you just rely too much on the financial sector without actually producing stuff um is that you know if if that is all just smokes and mirrors and that's just like money just borrowing without actually having hard things to back it up and to pay it back off at some point the party is going to you know stop and once the party stops you know the loans come due you know you can't just be like oh how do we solve this well you don't make enough stuff to be able to pay all this back like there's like who like where are you going to get all this stuff there's no like not only you can't pay the loans back you don't need you don't even make enough productions to even if you had no loans like you don't even make make enough stuff to sustain the lives of the people that are currently living in Lebanon like you you know this is not this is not going to be something that's going to be fixed tomorrow or the day after this is like a fundamental thing that needs to change within Lebanon like you need to actually increase wealth by producing stuff and Lebanon's politics right now it's in a situation it's created it 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 looks something so broken that there is no will for any fundamental changes because because of the sectarian nature of the of the government right so by the way you know it's very the people who are at fault are so it's so cliche that the, uh, at who they are that it makes it seem like we're just jumping on the bandwagon of blaming the people that are easiest to blame, right? But in this case, it's actually that. You know what I mean? Like, I know everybody wants to be like, hate, hate on the bank, like banker, fi- people in the finance industry, bankers are bad, okay? Politicians don't trust the politicians. And we hear also on an atheist channel who's anti-religious, anti-religious you know, militia, anti-religious authoritarianism obviously the most favorite one for us to start blaming is going to be hezbollah right so we're gonna but so it seems like oh this is easy blame the politicians blame hezbollah and blame the bankers everybody hates these groups of people so you guys are just jumping in a bandwagon but like this is not this just happens to be like i know sometimes people exaggerate when it comes to blaming these groups of people because they are so easy to attack but in this case in Lebanon it is these people <laughs> like this is this is exactly what's happening right and also like I by the way the, these three groups of people I mentioned it's important to mention all three because as an anti-Islamic secular pro-secularism channel uh, we might want to only focus on the Hezbollah aspect of it but it is more than the problem is Hezbollah and more and again yeah, I'm not it's just- beyond that Yes. I, just, I don't want to dismiss how important, how big of a problem Hezbollah is, because Hezbollah is a major problem for Lebanon. But there, there's also the sectarian nature of politics in Lebanon is broken be, beyond just the role of Hezbollah. And the bankers are also to. By the way, the bankers are so much to be blamed as well right now here, because even after things were so, so obviously um, set to fail, these bankers were still getting people to invest in the system, um, you know, and, you know, still taking people's money for knowing that a lot of these are not going to be, be paid back to the people. And by the way, a lot of the rich people in Lebanon, a lot of the bankers and other people in the financial industry, they saw this coming and they took their money out w- without warning people while continuing to take people's money. And these rich people in Lebanon, they didn't lose their money like they managed to get their money to safety and it's all this all the all the ordinary people in lebanon where now they don't like all their money is gone or they can't take it out of the bank or their money is now worthless they they, they basically the rich people a lot of their like i again i know this sounds like a cliche like i'm not i'm not the type to be like oh rich people bad poor people like 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 i'm not like i'm not trying to do this kind of – populist thing that everybody does but in this case this is actually what happened right this is objectively what happened a lot of the bankers continue to take people's money and they didn't lose anything and the, the actually ordinary people in lebanon a lot of them did right so you wanted to say some few things before I, I have a lot to say but i don't know
1: you yeah say. no actually it's interesting that you're saying that because i was actually reading this thing on al jazeera uh, by sami halabi and it says uh, here is why the eu should sanction lebanon's bankers and He's saying the banking sector is responsible for the current crisis in lebanon sanctioning its leaders can help affect a solution and it's kind of uh, interesting mm-hmm. like you know when you look at the actual currency i think it's uh, uh that it sells at twenty thousand lebanese pounds to the us dollar on the black market well, the official rate is fixed at 1500 pounds for one dollar so it's i mean that, that's crazy i mean a gallon of fuel as someone there's a comment in the in the uh, live chat right now um talking about how some people just have one hour of electricity a day I mean they, they don't even have that a lot of them uh, because of the yeah. price of a gallon of fuel you, you if you want to get gasoline it's it's gone up by 220 percent there's a shortage of it there have been riots actually at, at Gas stations, you know, or, or petrol stations, where people have gone in. There've been they've brought knives. They've had like weapons, basically, just fighting over the fuel because they the electricity they get from generators. They get generators, and generators need gasoline to make them run, and that's how they get electricity for their homes. And and now they don't even have that, and that itself was a backup system. So it's it's actually it's a. But what do you?
2: Yeah, you- a people. Let me. What?
1: No, I, I wanted to ask you about the bankers and sanctioning the bankers. I mean, do you agree with that at all? It doesn't sound like... I don't
2: know. I actually don't know if uh, sanctioning is... I don't know. I, I just know that they they really screwed up people, and it seems like on purpose for to save their own money. But, I, but when it comes to what the financial solution to that is, I have no idea. So I don't know. Um, it's a bit complicated when it comes to financials. but. What you said about, like, you, you mentioned some examples. I heard, like, people, uh, a lot of people going through 20 hours of, like, no electricity at, every day. So, like, it's just really bad. And I also saw, like, a lot of people in Lebanon are mentioning that this is the, you know, it's very interesting for Lebanese people to say this, but they're saying this is the worst they have ever seen. These are the people who have gone through civil war and the war with Israel, and they're like, we've gone through that, and right now the things are right that are, like like, this is worse. This is what because like they're saying, you know, at those times, things were tough, but we were working and we could afford stuff like we had jobs. Um, now we don't. Now we don't know how to take care of ourselves. How, like they're saying, this. I don't know if this is everybody saying this, but a lot of Lebanese were saying um, that this, what we're going through right now is worse than all those other experiences that they had before. Yeah, uh, but I had I Sorry, yeah. go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, actually.
1: No, I was saying unemployment. You were talking about the jobs like unemployment just is 30%. That's like one third of the country is unemployed. Right.
2: Um, yeah. So now like if we want to talk about like different. So we talked about the bankers and then I want to talk about how the sectarian nature of the politics there um, helps with this disaster. I mean, helps us in hurts. Uh, and then also then eventually talk about Hezbollah, right? Because I know our our people, that's the part, that, uh, the people that follow us, that's the part that they're mostly interested in. So we'll put that for last, right? Um, but you, so Ali, I think you're familiar with the, how a lot of the power, how the power sharing happens in uh, Lebanon, right? You have the head of the parliament that's supposed to be Shia, you have the prime minister that's supposed to be Sunni, and you have a president that's supposed to be Christian, but and it also also goes marinated, beyond yeah. that. The, yeah, marinated Christian, but you also go to. Um, whenever <laughs> every time I hear marinated Christian, I always imagine a Christian that has been marinated. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but <Right>. but, <laughs> uh, uh, but okay, so <laughs> okay, so but I also okay, so here's the thing, um. Imagine uh but it goes beyond that. Like if you look at the parliament, like there's eight There, these are the three that everybody knows, but the parliament itself is like 18 different sects. Like it goes to, I don't know, like it gets very complicated, like uh Greek Christian Greek Orthodox Christians, you know, um you know, Catholic, Greek Catholic, there's just like Jews. so many different Jews. Yeah, there's so many different sects that every every sect gets a certain number of seats. There's 18 different sects, right? So th- that was their solution to the civil war. They're like, you know what? Let's give a piece of the pie to every sect. And now you all have power. And now, no, we don't fight because everybody has their own piece of the government. What do you think is the problem with that, Ellie?
1: What do you think is the problem? It's going to... They they won't agree on anything.
2: Yeah, and also, everybody's just serving their own people.
1: Yeah, they're serving, you know
2: yeah. I mean? yeah. every... The problem with a power sharing like this, I mean... The solution was like, okay, we're not fighting anymore. But now the Sunnis are not, the Sunni politicians are not fighting for Lebanon. They're fighting for the Sunnis. The Shia politicians, specifically Hezbollah, they're not fighting for Lebanon. They're fighting for Hezbollah and specifically for Iran, right? Um, And, you know, the Christians and every, every sect is, because here's what happens. Like you have like, let's say, I don't know, a certain sect and they're representing those the people from that sect they're not these are politicians in parliament that they don't care about what the entirety of Lebanon and making Lebanon prosperous they are so dedicated to appealing to their own sect and to their own people and they want short-term solutions right they want because they want very short-term gains for their own sect rather than the politicians coming up with long-term solution for the entire country. Like Lebanon as an entity is not something you fight for as a politician, right? Um, And and another problem is that there is no accountability because the entirety of who gets to be in power is your sect. And once you are in that position, the thing is that the way that things are defined in Lebanon right now is that Your family and your history and the elite class that you came by in that certain sect so fundament so strongly holds you in that position of power that nothing can shake you. Nothing can take it. Like, doesn't matter how much, how many screw ups you do. It doesn't matter how many people are upset with you. These are, you're glued to this to your seat, right? So the strong, the, the way that everything is defined. The way that things work in, in Lebanese politics, there's a lot of strong protection for people that are in power. It's like it's like they are unseatable. Like even if they commit the greatest crimes, like if you are a politician, unless there's somebody on top of you that allows for you to be investigated, like there's nobody can touch you. There's nobody that could touch you. So there's like no accountability. So imagine you, and that's why it's so easy for you to become corrupt and come up push for things that just really helps your not just not even just your sect your elite family that and and these are like certain elite group of people that you know they know th- these people will always be in power you know what i mean like they're like oh yeah of course he's in power because he's from that people from that group of people right and you want to serve the elite class of people that you're from from And you know, no matter how much corruption, like you could see, for example, when it comes to electricity, there are so many different solutions that made sense for Lebanon as a whole. But if you look at the solutions that that these politicians went for, it was all based on who makes how much money out of what deal, right? And that's why things continue to be broken. And the people, they seem to have no power. Like we saw recently, they, they came into the streets and there were mass protests. What happened? Nothing happened. Like, nobody was unseated from anything, right? And now and now everybody in Lebanon is waiting for the next election, right? But people are like, the elections, is just like people just, like, not, maybe the number of seats for people are going to change from one sec to another. But, it, and again, the people who are supposed to be in power are going to remain in power. But people are saying maybe this election is going to be different. But, I mean, but I just don't know. A,
1: the next election is going to be next year. Right? Yeah. And people um, are... Right now, will it survive until – like, that's the problem. Like, right right now, it's so bad that uh, it's on the brink of collapse. Everything's on the – water system there, right? The water system is – the UNICEF said that the water system is is so mess, it's basically really fragile. It's just about to collapse. And if it collapses, that means that uh, three-fourths of the country, 75% of them, they're not even going to have clean water it's I, it's so that's not something i mean it's just it's just about whether lebanon can carry through to the next the next election even if they're mm-hmm. looking forward to it so by the
2: way, we, we we see the patron questions and we will get to them uh, as soon as we, uh, very soon, as soon as we finish this. Um, I do want us to finally move to the elephant in the room. <laughs> the uh, Hezbo- oh, So, so far what we talked about, like we're going to now talk about Hezbollah. Uh, I just want to mention that so far what we, what I think we wanted to, the way I want people to look at is that the politics in Lebanon was like, it seemed like it was designed to, like, it was not, the failure was, you couldn't have gotten any other outcome other than failure. The, the way that the econ- economy of Lebanon was designed and the way that the politics are designed, it was like, this was, this was going to happen, right? Um, but now on top of that, we have <laughs> the most destructive <laughs> political entity you could add to all of this mess and give them all the power and all the military and all the fu- gu- uh, firepower. And so even without what we're going to introduce now, things were going to fail the way that things are structured, right? But now add Hezbollah to all of this mess, right? Yeah. Um, and make them the biggest power in all of Lebanon. So much so that Hezbollah as a sect, as a political sect, and as a, a military power by itself, is stronger than all of Lebanon combined. The rest of Lebanon army, and I mean, I don't want to say the rest of Lebanon army as if Lebanon's firepower is part of Lebanon's army, because it's not, it's Iran's army. But Hezbollah's army is stronger than Lebanon's official army.
1: Yeah, Right. so here's the thing. Hezbollah, if they want to, right, they can basically take over all of Lebanon. They they can. It's not going to be that hard for them to do it. They're easily the most influential political organization in Lebanon. Uh, they have sway and influence over everything. They've got a t- tremendous amount of power. And they are able to uh, uh, exercise their power without accountability, like you know all the other political parties they have to be accountable to the people but hezbollah can actually they have the power they have more power than any of the sort of political organizations there political parties there but they are not responsible like they, they it's power without responsibility which which actually furthers the intensity of the power that they have so um it's yeah. a very unique situation and that's a question the question is uh why would they not want to take over lebanon they, i mean it's not in their interest so that that's another thing that we we're going to get into, like in terms of you know wh- why they're not doing it if they can.
2: Yeah, and it's actually even uh, worse than them not being um, accountable. They are accountable, but not to the Lebanese people. They're yeah, <laughs> accountable, they're accountable to the Iran. government. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> so the problem, like, think about this: we have the most powerful agent in all of Lebanon. Okay, its agenda um is from and for a different country other than Lebanon okay so agendas from iran it's agenda for israel so this is an entity that is loyal to a foreign force designed to be aggressive to another foreign force none of that has anything to do with lebanon
1: <laughs> yeah Le- like
2: yeah, it just happens to be in Lebanon. <laughs> like this was <laughs> like it's this is Iran's force against Israel two two separate countries, Iran and Israel that just happens to be taking over Lebanon. And Lebanon Lebanese people are paying the price for it. Like yeah, yeah. there's there, there there's no the the the, the survival And the lives of Lebanese people doesn't even come to an equation. And in fact, here's what, Ali, this is how it gets really bad. The failure of Lebanese economy might actually even be in their interest. Well, it is in their interest. Yeah, because they will become more dominant. Like if Lebanese state government fails and they can't, if they can't pay, if like right now they seem to, they're dominant. But if Lebanese people can't pay their army, they're even more dominant. <laughs> like they have, they're like there's nobody to fight them back. Like, well, Lebanese people, oh, we're upset that we don't, we don't like Hezbollah here. Well, what are you gonna do, Hezbollah? Like, okay, what are you gonna do about it? What I mean, I don't need your money anyways. My money comes from Tehran, right? My money, like, like if the economy of Lebanon cr- crashes. That means Lebanese people are more affordable for me as Hezbollah, where my money, like I am more, Hezbollah. Hezbollah hurts. Hezbollah suffers when the Iranian government loses money, not when Lebanese government loses money. Not when Lebanese well, people can't afford. Money, the
1: the Le- Lebanese government, and the Lebanese political parties, have actually uh, helped cement Hezbollah's power because, like, they're they're. they're all the infighting and all of the gaps and the weaknesses that they have in the political system uh, hezbollah has been able to leverage those they've been able to exploit them because they, they have more uh, more resources and more power than pretty much any other political institution so uh they are th- the, the the political system in lebanon the political um, infrastructure has actually helped hezbollah so hezbollah's power is actually a result of the political system as much as it is Right. Uh, you know a, 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 as much as it also has power over it
2: so imagine that the 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 most powerful entity and poly, both political and military power in your country is an entity that benefits from economic failure <laughs> what does that do to you know your the future of lebanon um and also like here's another here's an example right hezbollah um, has this Iranian, like Islamic Republic, philosophy of cutting ties with the West and cutting ties with the Arab world, right? right. And that's that, that's what they push for. It's called uh, they call it like mm, resistance, you know, re- self-reliance, self-reliance, resistance economy. This is the philosophy of the Islamic Republic, which they have exported through Hezbollah uh, to, uh, to Lebanon. And like it has been Lebanon, which was supposed to be like, uh, you know, the Paris of the Middle East. Um, ne- it has it's been very difficult for Western countries to maintain and also other Arab countries to maintain good relationships with a country that Hezbollah is in charge, right? Like, and those ties have been broken. And guess what? Lebanon, by its very nature, by the way it operated, really is reliant on its ties with other countries. Like as devastating that has this philosophy, this way of like looking at the world has been uh, for Iran, for the Iranian people, at least Iran as a country is a big country that has natural resources and you know, a foundation, like long term institutions and things, there are some things there that even though cutting ties with other countries has cost the Iranian people a lot, this like this unhealthy obsession with cutting ties and being from the West and Arab countries and being self reliant, or getting closer to Russia and China, as costly that has been for the Iranian people, there is at least something to fall back on, right? for Lebanon this political attitude that has been exported from Iran to Lebanon this is even more costly for Lebanon because the entire economy was was supposed was working through strong relationships and trade and financial backings and loans and stuff with other countries so this cutting of ties th- th- you know forget about like these the, the radical things of Hezbollah J- just this philosophy of its, uh, by its own has become extremely um very costly for Lebanese people, right they're like there's nothing else to fall back on right um yeah, um so I'll leave yeah. yeah no yeah but, I, I
1: was gonna actually get back to like that it's kind of interesting like why hezbollah, even though I mean they their military capacity is stronger than the lebanese armed forces um they I mean they, they can easily take over, but why don't they do it so um yeah. I mean, so apparently, I mean, this is what I've been learning, about, And a lot of this I'm learning right now, Armin, like I just did today when I was reading about it. But they're saying that uh, this could eventually lead to a civil war. If they try to take over, right, that's going to cause a problem uh, with the, uh, with some of the sects, right? They're going to, there's going to be an uprising. If there's an uprising, there could be another civil war. That's not in Hezbollah's interest. And so that's one of the reasons that uh, they they don't really have any interest in taking over the country in in any kind of formal way,
2: well, because they're like, yeah, I, I think like they want to keep the status quo. They don't need to, I mean, they might they will if they get forced to, but they're already in power. Like why would why shake things up? Like, um, they need to have at least a dance of democracy being played in Lebanon, even if they if they're just going to keep Hezbollah in power, just to keep the people somewhat quiet like you need to actually have this um you know basically just like in iran right like you have this authoritarian regime that is not accountable to the people but you you just you dance the democracy dance just so that you could shut people up so that you have to spend less resources on using your military power to suppress the people right because just like you know people were like well we have at least we have some say, you know, uh, even though they don't, but you know, you just—that's your branding, that's your marketing. Like, hey, people, shut up because we—you get to vote. But go on, Ali.
1: Yeah, no, and and that's true. And the, the, there's another thing that um, when you have—I mean, in the Middle East, what happens is a lot of places become uh, regions for proxy wars, right? Between for proxy sectarian wars, and we know all about like where Saudi Arabia is backing one side, Iran's backing the other. Um, so it's it's that's another problem with if hezbollah takes over, then um the 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 Christians the um Sunnis, the people who are not Shia, for instance, their unrest they would start seeking uh support and arms and funding from other countries and other countries would get involved and they'd start supporting the non-shia sides and uh that again, you know you'd have a civil war, but you'd have all of these external. you'd have Iran supporting hezbollah, you'd have the non-shia. Um, sects are going to be uh, getting support from other countries uh, in the region and it'll be the location of a proxy war and that's also something that's not in their interest
2: see but the the issue is that whenever there is right now war around that area there's there's this short term vacuum that is always created and those vacuum of power Mm -hmm. which gets filled very fast and the way the way that vacuums are getting vacuums of power are getting filled in, in the Middle East right now is with Iran's government, right? I mean, if you think about the people who are doing inserting themselves in wherever they can, number one right now is Iran's government, the Islamic Republic of Iran. Then after that it's Turkey. Um, after that is Russia. And what has been missing for a very long time has been Um, Arabs, the Arab, uh, you know, the Arab League seems to be like no ability for them to exert any sort of influence, any significant source of influence beyond their borders. um, Other than like, you know, and in the places where they have tried to, they have failed so miserably, like in Yemen. Right. Uh, And I mean, I guess that was the that was a whole one of the reasons behind the Abraham Accord. Was for them to out, to get more serious because they are they're so far the Arab League the Arab the Gulf Arab countries are so behind everyone else, you know. Iran seems to be leading in like m- taking over places. Yeah, I mean, not taking over places, like exerting their influence in many places. Um, and the Arab, you know, the Gulf Arab countries are like, hey, you know, Israel, you don't have, you know, we are at least like Arab, and so we have the you know, we're not going to be, it's going to be easier for us, at least (laughs) seemingly, um, for us to exert influence in countries, like, in, in in such a way that Israel is not possible, but Israel might have, like, the military power and the strategic power, and the Arab countries have, you know, I, I know this is maybe some people would argue this, but the legitimacy, uh, like at least relative to Israel, to exert themselves in these many different places in Israel. So maybe like the Abraham Accord was to be to provide a counterbalance against the influence of Iran's government in many of these uh, places, right? So I mean, they're like it's like player number four has now entered the game. Let's see what they do. But this is just a new thing. We'll see. If there's any if any unity between um, these Gulf Arab countries and Israel will make them a more serious uh, counterbalance against Iran. not not just as a not just in, def- in in a defense mode, but actually outside of their borders. Because I mean, Israel and these Arab countries so far have been like, just like we're just we just don't want to get you know, screwed by Iran within our borders? Like, are they going to actually become a serious player outside of their borders? Like, uh, I mean, Israel has been very good when it comes to, um, you know, special operations and stuff like that, but nothing like they they don't—they have no ability to go out and change minds and go into these regions and get political support. Like, imagine if Israel wanted to get political support in any of these places, like they would be like, yeah, that's not happening. Um, that's why, you know, they need to work with each other. Um and we'll see because, like, it, it would be amazing. For example, if I don't know Saudi Arabia allows Israel to use its airspace. like those are different discussions. But I just want people to understand that whatever conflict happens, like you can see that's in Afghanistan right now, the the same players, the same main three players: Iran, Turkey, and Russia. I mean, like for example, when if you look at Afghanistan when there's conflict and Taliban taking over, you would expect India and Pakistan to win a medal because they're right there, right? But On top of the people who are right there, you're always seeing, I mean, Iran is right there as well, but Turkey is not. But you could expect that Iran, Turkey, and Russia, they're always going to be like, hello there, I see you have a conflict here. Don't mind if I put my camp here and just see what I could do, what I could take, what I could, like, how could I increase influence? Iran, Turkey, and Russia are always there. United States is also always there, but they seem to be reducing. Like, Iran, Turkey, and Russia want to increase being always there. While the United States wants to reduce it because they're focusing on somewhere else, right? They want to I don't know if they're going to be successful. So when, I, when you look at Lebanon, I just want people to notice that every increase in conflict will be seen as an opportunity for uh, by the Islamic Republic of Iran, right? Like they will be like, okay, like oh, things are breaking. Like you know how they, <laughs> this is like they say chaos is a ladder. The little fingers in Game of Thrones said that. This is like this is how Iran the Islamic Republic looks at the entire Middle East, right? Every any chaotic is an opportunity, unless they already have established. Like if like you know if Assad was falling, then they, no, they don't like chaos. But everywhere else, they like chaos, right? But yeah, go on. to say? So.
1: No, no, no. I was listening to you. I was. I <coughs> mean, I was just wondering, so me... like. Okay, go ahead. Um, go ahead.
2: No, I just want to say, given, no. uh, uh, given. Exact. just a recent example uh from like six days ago i don't know when this podcast is going to come out but this is quite recent right just to like highlight uh some of the things we've said here and then after that we should go to the uh, patron questions um unless you want to ask something so j- just recently we had had um hezbollah and israel changing missiles okay and I want people to understand how significant this is because this is different from Hamas and Israel's changing exchanging missiles, right? Because we're talking if Hezbollah and this was like six days ago and people were like, yeah, the, the alarm bells went off, right? Because the last time this dragged something like this dragged israel into lebanon and we had like a 2006 full, yeah was this was this was like if yeah it was 2006 and we had a full-on war and 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 hezbollah survived it like hezbollah came out shocking. Their own. yeah and this was very significant because um, israel is famous for defeating entire arab nations you know six of them at the same time like in like Uh, So many of them at the same time, defeating countries much bigger than themselves so decisively and humiliating its enemies. Right. And that's the history of Israel. And that's what they're famous for. Like we're a tiny country and multiple Arab countries attack us at the same time. And we crush them in such a humiliating way that they it, it creates a crisis of identity for them. Like we don't just crush we don't just crush their military, we crush their entire identity. We make them go think go home and think their entire existence. We make them change the way they the, their entire philosophy of the entire world. That's how badly we defeat them. Okay, so that's the history of Israel. And then all of a sudden, Hezbollah comes in, and Hezbollah is like, you do, you can't do this to us. And they shock the Israeli, you know. And again, I'm not saying Hezbollah is stronger than Israel, right? Hezbollah, with the help of the Islamic Republic and Hamas and everybody else combined, will not be able to defeat Israel, right? But it is much more powerful um, when it comes to resisting it and also causing harm to Israel and causing security threats and causing economical hassle. Like, it can shock and the Israeli system and survive it. But not so much as it could like ever, like I know like Israeli politicians want to make it seem like it's an existential threat to Israel, uh, but it's not. Like, the, you know, Israel is not, Israel is nowhere, not going to be defeated by any power uh, that exists in the world right now. And even if it ever get, gets even close to that, the whole world is going to come to its aid. So it's like Israel is going to be fine, but it will. Israel is going to survive. But, you know, Israel, the reason why this is such a, you know, Israel has high standard when it comes to defending itself. Like Israel doesn't want any, any of its citizens to die ever when it comes to conflict, right? So it's not like, is this a, when it comes to Hezbollah being a threat to, Israel, it's not. It's not when you, when you say a threat, not in a threat. As in will, will Hezbollah be able to defeat Israel as a whole? No, but it is powerful. It was powerful enough in two thousand six for it to be able to resist its being, its itself being defeated, and also to continue causing hassle for Israel. Um, and it has become so much powerful than what it was in two thousand six. Right now, right Hezbollah today, it's much, much, much more powerful. Than what it was in 2006, and still not powerful enough to completely defeat Israel. But you know, like it's it's very interesting because Hezbollah was, Hezbollah and the Islamic Republic of Iran were very much closely um, watching the Hamas missiles at um, Israel before the recent attacks by Hezbollah, and watching exactly how the Iron Dome responds because they will they wondering like what it takes for the Iron Dome to be over uh to be overwhelmed how yeah. many missiles does it take because they know hezbollah has a lot more missiles than hamas right they were very much so they and they but i don't know if it will be able to overwhelm but they're they're watching that very closely right so so when when, when talking about hezbollah a lot of people want to highlight how unpopular hezbollah is in lebanon because that's where they are that's where their home is and this hope is that the way to tackle hezbollah because you can't defeat it militarily they're like completely crushed them you can't do that even when even when you go into lebanon as it was proven 2006 even when you go into lebanon you can't still defeat them so what can what can you do now when they're so much more powerful right so the hope is that maybe you could get internally something from lebanon to unseat hezbollah but that's probably not going to happen because you know with what army are you going to do that and when i say with what army this is now what i want to refer to what happened in the six days ago right so six days ago when we saw missiles going you know from israel to lebanon and from lebanon to israel it was interesting to see that both of them were shooting inside empty fields right so israel's were shooting in lebanon into empty fields and hezbollah was shooting into israel into empty fields like they weren't None of them wanted this to be escalated. They both were like just like, look, we have missiles and we're ready to use them, and we have the capability of doing them. So both of them were sending this message. Like, and the fact that I was into empty fields, it shows that none of them has an appetite for war, right? Right now, yeah. um,
1: but go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I'm wondering if like, especially with Hezbollah, if they just wanted to show what they have, because apparently, like uh, yeah. Iran's missiles are becoming more and more sophisticated. Uh, they're able to they counter, as you said, you know, they're looking at the Iron Dome, they're looking at all these other defense mechanisms that everybody else has, and they're learning how to counter them. Um, so yeah, I was reading something about how there's this massive prolifer- plur- proliferation of, of ballistic missiles and artillery rockets that um, the Islamic Republic of Iran now has, uh, that it is shuttling off to Hezbollah, to Houthi rebels, and so on.
2: Right. So so let me just tell you what happened, like finish the story of what happened six days ago and then the follow-up of that because I think it touches up on a lot of what we talked about, right? So one event that, what ha- one thing that happened is that part of the Hezbollah militias, militias who were like firing missiles from inside and I think music guy might have saw it and saw this so I'm not going to see if he knows what I'm talking about in the live chat. Um, part, one thing that happened which was very <laughs> revealing was the Lebanese people in Lebanon. The, you know the, they went out went some Druze, okay, some Lebanese Druze, okay, Druze uh, for people who don't know as a religious as a very weird religious sect in you know Lebanon and some other places. Very but these beautiful. are just civilians. Is yes, yeah, the weirdest thing I've done. Like, the more you <laughs> study it, they were like, What the hell? I guess, like, the most secretive, like, religious sect. Anyways, yeah. but these religious, these civilians, what their religion is, is irrelevant right now. But just, I just, yeah. But they these civilians in Lebanon, they went out and they attacked the Hezbollah uh, so- militias who were filing missiles into Lebanon. They were like, You're you're going to make Israel attack us. And they were like, we don't, <laughs> like, stop it. Like, they went, like, there's videos of this. Like, the, the Druze people, the Lebanese civilians, they had surrounded these the militias, the Hezbollah militias cars that were carrying these ballistic missiles. And they were like, they were dragging out the Hezbollah militias from the car. And they're like, you're putting us in danger. You're going to make, you're going to start a war, right? And the Lebanese army showed up and they arrested Hezbollah, right? And this was amazing because, like, you have you see, like, Lebanese army was arresting Hezbollah, and the civ- you see, Lebanese civilians were like uprising against Hezbollah, like, guy, like, like, but like, this is uh, very irresponsible. I know, like, I know they shot the missiles in into empty fields, but imagine if your country is going through so much horrible crap right now, and for you to like imagine if you even slightly increase the chance of a war with Israel. Like how the the, the amount of irresponsibility, like there have you like have you no shame? Have you no like is this like this is the most powerful force in, in Lebanon right now? And it seems like like helping the Lebanese people doesn't even
1: it's yeah, doesn't priority. Le-
2: <laughs> it, it has nothing, <laughs> it's not even part of their agenda. Like none of their agenda is like, hey like can we help the Lebanese people? Yeah anyways so so, but the follow- up to this event was people are like, "Yeah, Lebanese people rising up against Hezbollah, that's awesome. But Hezbollah showed up, and they're like, "You don't get to do that to our people, right? like you don't we, like Lebanon's what Lebanon's army we we are hezbollah like, we are Lebanon. <laughs> what are you talking about we We own Lebanon. You don't get to do that to our people. So the man was released uh, very shortly after there was pictures of him. Um, by IDF that showed that he was actually freed, um, because obviously this is Hezbollah's people, you, you don't get to hold Hezbollah people. Um, I, I mean, guys, by the way, this is re- if the reports came out to be wrong, I'm just, you know, everything we're being skeptical, any every, any report that we're like relying on could be wrong, right? Just be skeptical about all of them. But if the reports are accurate. Another interesting thing is that Hezbollah now started targeting this the Drew's sheikhs who were warning who started these attacks on hezbollah they were sending threatening letters and identifying who are these people who act attacked hezbollah right they just want to make sure like you don't get to get away with this like this is not how you treat hezbollah like like this, this is so bizarre this is a foreign occupation of lebanon by iranian islamic republic and when people even complain like what are you doing hezbollah is like shut up Like, this is, like, so unfair to the Lebanese people. It's so unfair to the Lebanese people that you have this foreign force that doesn't care about its people exerting its influence. And people, even when people complain, you know, even when somebody seems to be held accountable, they go free. And the people who are actually asking for that accountability are now receiving threats by this militia. Like, imagine you just being a Jewish civilian and now Hezbollah is sending you threatening letters just because you're like guys please don't like you're starting a war what the hell are you doing it's it's so hopeless but go on Ali
1: yeah no i mean that that's it that, I, we should get to patron questions now we've got uh around 11 right. minutes
2: so, okay so let's look at the one that was the ones that were posted on patreon first because okay. dolly had asked a few questions on uh patreon and then we go to the live chat that is saying I'll, I'll ask both of our questions at the same time there's like there's a lot here i'm just gonna read it first. Lebi- and the first lebanese government last few months received funds and assistance from france and and now germany where is that money now and where is the assistance that's supposed to help to rebuild lebanon again and honestly uh dolly i don't know where the money has gone um i do i i I do know that Lebanese government is politics are so corrupt and money who every time money that is received like a lot of it disappears and goes to people who are not suppo- are not going to be helping the country. I know like a lot of the new recent help comes with like demands of accountability, but I haven't followed I don't follow these dollars in so detail to know where they go and how they're being used, right? So I don't know the answer to that question. Um, the second question was Hezbollah shooting Israel and now Lebanon becomes a war zone instead of a civilized country. It's so sad to see Lebanon falling apart like that. I don't think that the, a war between Lebanon and Israel is like, we don't know. Like I, I mean, the, the threat is there. The risk is there. Yeah, but right we don't, now it's I, not happening. Right now, no. Um, so it's Lebanon is failing... Without a war, like a war on top of that will become like just like devastating, but it's already devastating without this becoming a war zone. Like it's already, right now it's already screwed. Uh, so my, she says, my question is, do you think all the money and the funds goes to Hezbollah instead? No, not all no. of it. It doesn't all of it go to Hezbollah. There is corruption beyond Hezbollah in Lebanon for it to go to other people as well. So, um, So it doesn't go all to Hezbollah. Right. But, uh, yeah. Adam, you want to add? Uh, there are also,
1: there's uh, two more questions from Music Guy and D. Boudreau. Like, if you go up to the, yeah. we're about to yeah. go a live one. Um, so, uh, Music Guy at 20 is saying, is Iran watching over this whole situation closely like a vulture? Uh, yeah, I, I think oh, so. Yeah. Of course. Uh, what would be the best scenario for them to take over Lebanon? How would the world react to this possible move? So I that, that I honestly, music guy, I I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think they're going to take over Lebanon because if they could, no, if they they
2: have this is them taking over Lebanon. I don't I, understand what you mean, like taking no, over no, Lebanon? I mean, as in, huh,
1: yeah. I th- I think he's talking about formally taking over Lebanon. As oh. in Hezbollah could easily take over Lebanon, but I I don't think that they will because I think that that's going to cause uh, it's going to cause a lot of issues. It's going to cause a rebellion from the the non Shia. People, I mean, there's it's going to cause a lot of issues. Um, and then the other countries are going to get involved, and there there are many complications that can happen, and that doesn't help Hezbollah. The other thing is that if Hezbollah does take over, uh, you know that's Iran taking over Lebanon formally uh, through Hezbollah, and Hezbollah becomes like the most powerful, formally the most powerful uh, party, and they become the government in a way, then they're going to be subject to a lot of domestic scrutiny. Right now, they can exercise their power, but. Um, they're not and, and people do think of them as also Hezbollah is also part of the whole, you know, corrupt political system there. But then the focus will just be on them. And then that's also something that I I don't think is ideal for them either. That's not something they
2: want. The, 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 the most ideal situation is to have what you have right now. Like, you know, you don't like you don't want to take over in a form that you have all the accountability. Right. Right. And you also don't want to take over to the point where people think like they have no chance of ever fixing and having any representation in the country. Like it, the best form of takeover is a takeover that is not complete. And it's a takeover where there's some sh- pre- pretense of democracy. Right. Because then you benefit you have all the benefits of the takeover without all the costs, a lot of the costs of a takeover, right? Yeah. This is why this you is have why power without
1: power. responsibility. That's the whole thing. Exactly. You can exercise exactly. power without responsibility.
2: Exactly. And accountability. And you have no accountability, but you don't act like you need like yeah. Like this is exactly why Khamenei in Iran controls everything, but he acts like he controls nothing. Right. Because when things get good he takes credit and when things take back he's like well i'm not the officials who makes the decision. there are other people like it's fantastic that he's just like he's sitting in the perfect spot to act when he like he's completely in charge when he needs to and acts like the entire country is run by independent institutions that don't even consult him when he needs to as well like this is f- such a perfect limbo for him to just stay in um i mean imagine if if hezbollah was just militarily just eliminated all the other powers in Lebanon, right? Now, you know, you're just going to have the... You, you have no... I mean, you need some um, show of being a representative democracy for people to not have lost so much hope that they just constantly rebel against you. That's like, now you have to... I mean, even if you can suppress them militarily, you rather not, you know? That's like... um a military cost to you that you didn't have before <laughs> right so just give them something to hope for and make sure that they don't rebel so and also like it's like it's better if you act like you're not in charge of like the banking system because the banking system is failing by its own uh, which is great and hezbollah doesn't have to take responsibility for it so i mean it's when i say it's great i'm talking on behalf of You're like, I'm talking like what Hezbollah is thinking, right? They're like, look at these people. They are corrupt. We're like, we're here actually to help you. Look at this. We're actually bringing you food from Iran. Like, you guys who were, see, Lebanese people, you guys who were complaining that we are have ties to Iran, isn't it helping you now? We're bringing like food from you like look at all this money that we're bringing and we're bringing you food and we're going to go door to door and deliver people, like I, like, I, like, guys, like look at, look at all these countries who are abandoning us, isn't it n- nice that we have such strong relationship with Iran because Iran is sending us this and sending us that so, you know, your government is failing you and we are here to help you because we have ties to, strong ties with Iran, so in yeah. fact so good for us to keep comparing ourselves to the failures of these other elements, because if we're the only player, then everything would be blamed on us completely exactly. all the time. And, but now we could act like, no, it's not our fault. We're actually here. We are part of a solution. These other parts are part of the problem.
1: Yeah. Uh, one more question from uh, D. Boudreau, and this is in the uh, Patreon um, with all the hardships, the Lebanese people are facing day to day. Is there an increase or a decrease in support for Hezbollah and their current rocket attacks? Are Hezbollah using the general misery to direct anger towards Israel and thereby strengthening support for themselves? Um, the, the way that this is happening, I think Hezbollah is considered uh, to be part of the corrupt political infrastructure right now, which is kind of interesting. Is that a lot of Lebanese people they are looking at? They're looking at this overall system like everybody is terrible, and uh, Hezbollah is part of that because they, everybody knows Hezbollah is really really powerful, but they're they're still in a complete mess. So there is. Some blame that's going towards you. They're not necessarily happy uh, with Hezbollah, but at the same time, um, if Hezbollah was the only game in town, as Armin said, then uh, you know all of the anger would be directed towards them. So, uh, yeah,
2: perfectly said. That's Ali. That's so perfectly said because like Hezbollah people losing support for Hezbollah. It's not because people are losing uh, support uniquely to Hezbollah. Like Lebanese people. Are losing support, like they are like anybody who was ever in charge. <laughs> they're yeah. like losing complete support for all of them. Hezbollah, the banking system, all the other politicians, all of them. They're like you all suck, right? And this is what Hezbollah likes because Hezbollah doesn't just they just need their support. Relative, if you know, if people lose support of Hezbollah but then gain support for on some other elements, then Hezbollah, okay, we have a problem here. But if people are just like losing support for all of, like people are losing hope in all of them, Hezbollah, like, okay, we're, we're relatively, <laughs> we're good, right? And and also Hezbollah can always rely on people who don't even care about the economy. Like there are certain people, and this is why the Islamic Republic of Iran is investing in Iraq, uh, in Lebanon, in Syria, and Yemen in ideological support because these people don't care. Right, people are like, I'm ready to starve for Hussein. Right, people are like, oh, this is great. We want people like that. We want people who don't care about this world at all. We want to create such a strong ideological support that that because you don't have to be accountable to these people at all. They just like so. What Hezbollah has that these other elements like the bankers don't have anybody who's like, oh, it's okay if the bankers fail because we worship the, the banking god. Like so we will always support them. There's nothing like that, right? And all these other politicians, like the Sunni politicians or the Christian politicians, they don't have this base. There, there's a, there's, you know, they Hezbollah is losing support, but there's this w- one core group of people who, no matter how much they fail, they will no- lose their support. And those are those ideological people who are willing to like sacrifice their lives for Khamenei or whatever, or people who are so extremely Shia. And that base will always be there for Hezbollah um, or p- also Hezbollah goes beyond that. People who are so anti-Israel that they they don't care about the main thing they care about. The main reason why they love Hezbollah is because they're the only strong, their strongest force against Israel. They don't really care about what uh, how Hezbollah achieves it as long as Hezbollah is powerful enough to become a hassle for Israel. So there's two ideology, two elements of ideological support. One is anti-Israel and one is, you know, zealot Shia that Hezbollah could bank on no matter how bad the economy goes. So that's something that Hezbollah enjoys that the other groups don't enjoy.
1: Yeah. Okay. Now we can go to some of the ones in this, uh, in this live chat.
2: Where were you, where did you get those from? You got those from Facebook?
1: No, no, from Patreon.
2: Oh, there were so new there were, questions.
1: Yeah, because we oh, post yeah. uh, we post the original one, then we say we're about to go live. So there oh, were two people under we're about to people
2: go live. commented under that one as well. On good thing one, you saw that because two. I didn't see that one. Good, good, good. Okay. Yeah, good.
1: so okay, I think there's uh, Susanna's asking asking question at eleven oh eight.
2: Eleven oh eight. I didn't see. Good thing you saw that. Early. <laughs> Eleven or uh, eight. Here, yeah, there we go.
1: There we go. So Susanna, saying, "What do you think about calls for constitutional reform or an entirely new constitution?" Um, well, first of all, like, yeah. they'd have to get together and agree on it. Right now, they can't even form a government. Uh, the other thing is, I, 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 I think the problem is the people, right? It's it's the people that are in power. So it's not a matter of. Uh, having i mean this is a, i i don't know i don't know enough about this but i would think that it's not really about forming a constitution it's about what are you going to do with it if you can't actually implement well, it if the people are yeah, not it's willing both, to implement well, it
2: well i mean okay here's the thing look, i think you need a new com- yeah i mean i, I the, this na- the sectarian nature of the government i think it's both alle- and they both affect each other right mm-hmm. because the nature of how the how sectarian this the, the, the whole, everything is right now, you need to completely change that. and I think you do, the only way you could change that is through a constitutional reform. So you're saying the problem is the people. Yeah, the problem like the, like you can't you can't just like remove one of some of these people in power and replace them with exactly the people from that exact background and from that exact elite group and from that exact sect with the sectarian nature, you know you you know and it, it will be the same. It would be the same mess, right? But the only way that you could completely fundamentally remove remove these people that are con- always in power, no matter how what it happens, they just replace one of them with the other one, which is exactly from the same group of people and represents the same interest. The only way that you could actually get people with know how, people with ex- because here's th- here's something: Lebanon has a lot of experts. Okay, like mm-hmm. Lebanon, Lebanon doesn't have a, a, a lack of people who know how to fix these things. Lebanon has a lot of very smart people with a lot of great solutions. They just don't have any chance at actually getting any power. So you're saying the problem is the people and they need to be replaced. Well, they can't be replaced given the way that things are structured right now. There is no opportunity for them to have even a shot at you know getting this getting any any of the seats of power. So you do need a constitutional reform. You need to completely undo the sectarian nature of like make it a merits you know based um you know i mean you don't need to you, you just need to allow the opportunity for people who have the know-how to become elected to become chosen by the people and i hope if that happens people actually choose based on merit yeah. rather than go back to sectarian as well but the door is not even open you know so you do need like a, a complete reform i just like you said ali i don't know even there's an there's an appetite for a fundamental reform, but there is no political will because the people who are the people who can open the door for other people to enter, those are the people who are in charge. So why would they do that? You know what I mean? Like who's going to force them? What which which? So the way that other countries might want to force um, these current people, these elite, these people in power, to open the door to others is by giving money to lebanon with strings attached basically bribe these people out of power which is hard to do because like once they lose that power then there's going to be no no way else to get bribed right but it, yeah it's complicated
1: yeah there's a there's a good question from uh, d Boudreau at 1122 um this is something that we sort of covered but i think that we should actually be clear on it um she's saying isn't the army rallying against hezbollah I think an army guy spoke on this recently. So here's the thing with the Lebanese Armed Forces is that um, they used to get paid around $800 a month on average. That was a a Lebanese soldier's average monthly salary. Right now, they're getting paid $80. So um, whether it's the amount of power they have or the kind of morale they have with their salary dropping 10 times um, and they're obviously going through the same stuff that the rest of the the uh, country is going through. Um, Hezbollah, the, the Israeli, the Lebanese army is really not that much of a match for Hezbollah. So, um, I think yeah, Hezbollah could easily easily take or take over the Lebanese army if they wanted to.
2: Yeah, I mean, Lebanese <laughs> army could complain, but what are you going to do? What yeah. are they going to do? They can't do anything. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, they can't even arrest somebody who was like, guys, like just, this look at what happened six days ago. Right. Um, like when Hezbollah ma- makes an attack from Lebanon's soil to Israel, they don't even have to talk to the rest of Lebanon. Like you have an officially, you have an official Lebanese army and Hezbollah operates from inside Lebanon's borders against Israel. And like, they don't, they don't even like, Hey guys, we're going to do this. Like, like they're completely independent. They're like, we. This is this is our home now. This is Iran. Iran's government is just like we're just gonna sit here. I'm just gonna use your country to attack another country. Well, great. And even if they get arrested for half a second, Hezbollah is like, <laughs> that you're joking, right? You're joking. You are arresting our people? Like, who you are with? What authority? You think you're actually an? You you think you're actually the government here? That's what a joke give us back our people and please give me the names of the people who actually arrested one of our boys you come after our boys You can't do that this is our country anyways
1: yeah that's uh so should we do one more question i think music guy has one at 1203 it's it's more of a comment than a question but it brings up something interesting that we didn't cover here and that's the question of aid though i honestly think he's saying i honestly think if in the end lebanon does not get the aid money from the west they will rebel and protest the money is being waived in front of them, but they will only get it if they form a proper government. Um, so, yeah, there, there is something like that happening. But, I mean, this aid thing, that's really interesting when it comes to Hezbollah as well. Hezbollah doesn't want it. Another reason Hezbollah is not taking over, like they don't want any formal power in Lebanon, is if they do, because Western countries think of them as a terrorist organization, that they're going to cut off aid completely. And if they cut off aid completely and there's no aid coming in, um, they need this external resourcing for for Lebanon. Uh, it has, it's in Hezbollah's interest because Iran is under sanctions, so their resources coming from Iran have been limited because of the Iranian sanctions as well, right? So they do need, they, the, the aid coming into Lebanon is actually quite important. And if they do get power, Hezbollah gets former power, that aid will be cut off. So that's yet actually a, another really interesting reason why they're yeah, not but, formally taking
2: over. But it- if if the Iranian money gets lowered, but Lebanese economy fails so much, it will still be cheaper for Hezbollah to do its things in Lebanon because of the failure. So Iran's money doesn't have to keep... It only has to keep up relative to the failure of Lebanese economy. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah.
2: If, if like Iran sends you half the money, but people in Lebanon now have 90% less money, that's still a win for Hezbollah. Yeah, it's because still a win. With, yeah, but, yeah. But the
1: thing is that you have, do you do have foreign aid coming into Lebanon, right? Um, so, yeah. and that, and Hezbollah benefits from it. So that's just an additional source of revenue that they're not going to want to sure. give up anytime soon. Yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. And also like, look at this from the European perspective, by the way, last time, <laughs> last time a Middle Eastern country failed, collapse, it, cost Europe you know something you know it, the wave of I don't think Europe right now has an appetite for another wave of refugees heading at its borders right so they're like they're they're very motivated to you know help Lebanon stay stable and I I bet you a lot of them are like I don't care who it is even if it's Hezbollah just keep this country intact like we they're like there are a lot of Europeans who might be willing to even be like you know you know if it's Hezbollah let it be Hezbollah just don't let the state fail because we're well, not yeah. ready to yeah no i mean yeah. there was an
1: emergency UN session that on august 4th i think on the one year anniversary of the blast last year that uh, where it was led by the french where they precisely talked about this so like how do we rescue Lebanon because it's really not going to survive as a state until the elections yeah. next year
2: france is very happen. concerned about the failure yeah um last thing we should read is this one i think
1: that's right. So um, here's the thing: Susanna's reminding us uh, to, to plug the Patreon. So if you liked what you heard here today, and we're yeah we're done today, so if you if you liked what you heard, um, uh, please do consider going to patreon.com/sjme and uh, becoming a patron. You can do it for as little as a dollar a month. And what do you get? You get to see all of these streams and all of these episodes live. Uh, you get to ask your questions ahead of time, right? You get to go to Patreon and put your questions ahead of time, and we're going to read your questions first if you put your questions there ahead of time. If you can't, if you can't uh, join us live, otherwise, join us live and get get into the. Well, I mean,
2: no, I mean, so so for Patreons, uh, all the questions are Patreon questions, yeah. uh, but you either get to ask your questions live, or you get, or if you can't join live, you get to ask your questions ahead of time. I will make sure we read them. Uh, so we have so we have two types of shows. We have uh, private shows, private live streams, which is for patrons only, and we have public Q and As. For public Q and As, the patron questions are asked first. For private shows, who who are for patrons only, um, all the questions are patron questions. There is no other questions other than patron questions. But the ones that were asked ahead of time for people who might not want to be here, they're asked first, and then the live stream questions are asked second. But uh, yeah. Um, Oh, by the way, D is also saying we need to, we need a stream on Afghanistan next week. We did do a stream on Afghanistan recently, but I think, but I do think it's justified to do, you know, one soon again, maybe not next, but soon because of how, how much things are changing in Afghanistan. So it might not be the next one, but It will be another one, I think, soon, because it it is justified to do, even though we did the one recently, it is justified to do one more again. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I I wanted to also do more on Iran right now, because things are changing in Iran a lot as well. But because we had done so many Iran ones, that's why we didn't do an Iran one again. But things are changing in Iran so much. So again, I'm just assuming that it's going to continue changing again. So that's why we're like holding on that a little bit. But yeah, Ali.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I know I was gonna say if you're if you're hearing us on YouTube, if you're watching this on YouTube, then uh, please hit the subscribe button and the bell so you get notifications of any time we have a new video and we do have a lot of short clips of videos as well in addition to yes. full episodes, so do uh, subscribe and hit the bell. and then if you're if you're hearing this on your podcast app I mean, if you're listening to it on iTunes, please go and uh, give us a rating uh, that'll help yes. us uh, feature more prominently. Um, so yes. that uh, more people <laughs> can hear this.
2: If you listen to us on podcasts, please also make sure that you come and subscribe to us on YouTube as well. Yeah, Uh, we have the you have short clips there.
1: Yeah, and it's sad that Lebanese food that there's a food shortage there because Lebanese food is so good. Yes, so good. Yes, yes. yes.
2: Um, It's tempting for me to say that, on behalf of as an Iranian, I apologize to Lebanese people for the way my my country is like screwing it over. Uh, but I'm not a collectivist, so I don't hold myself responsible. So I'm not going to apologize. but it would be funny to say. So, um, it's a lighthearted way to do dark humor at the time this bad. I'm sorry, but I am really sorry. Not, you know, I am sorry for, for what people in Lebanon going through. Like I watched so many of their videos and it's so devastating. I was watching this lady. She, her house was completely destroyed during the blast. And then she lost – after that, she also lost – You know, no, she also lost her job and just, like, keeps getting – every time she gets hit with a disaster, she, another one kept on hitting and hitting and hitting, and there's no electricity. And it's just, like, people's, like, businesses are failing, people that have businesses for so long. It's just so – it's just such a mess. And I'm, I'm really sorry. I hope – I don't know. I, I wish I could be more – optimistic right now i hope like we're wrong about what it seems to be you know the future i really hope that things turn become better yeah yeah you don't deserve this living in people like you you really don't deserve this
1: yeah yeah okay
2: anyways okay. so we're gonna all see right. you guys
1: uh, next week
0: same time all right bye guys bye bye be best The Secular Jihadists have been made possible thanks to the Illuminati and the covert support of Israel and the CIA. That's what we have been told, but we haven't received our checks yet. If you like what we do, please support us. Share the podcast with your friends. Write and tweet us with topic and guest suggestions. Or head over to secularjihadists.com and give a dollar or more for exclusive access to live video. Have your questions read and answered on the air and more. Till next time, may the flying spaghetti monster be with you. (laughs) Come <laughs>